the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. By the way, if you're watching the show, uh, broadcasting at the same time on Periscope, I do the first segment of the show on Periscope. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you, and it's a fascinating time. Isn't it amazing? Uh, great to be. If you're watching on Periscope, the program, the radio program, is The Answer San Diego, our great station there, and you can tune in at theanswersandiego.com and, uh, and also go to Ed Martin Live and get hooked up on everything. So it is fun. At Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, by the way, if you're listening, at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. And uh, welcome. I mean, you know, it's time, and I put a headline on the Periscope that I, a title for the Periscope tonight, for this first segment, The Wink, What You Need to Know. And uh, by way of reminder, if you'd like to get an email every morning, you can go to uh, the uh, edmartinlive.com and fill out a, a thing there, and I'll send you my daily wink on uh, what you need to know. So, But the headline I put on there was, um, in defense of Tom Massey, uh, the Trump clap, and uh, Pelosi is to blame, something like that. And so let me get to all the, each of those uh, with you uh, right now. Um, the fact is this, is that um, the... Uh, uh, the story of the day is Tom Massey and this uh, ridiculous, uh, massive stimulus bill that passed and what he did to slow it down. But before we get to that, let me let me point out the president has now settled into these 5 p.m. Eastern time, two o'clock uh, Pacific time uh, press conferences. They're well worth watching. I think he's realized that the first 20 minutes or so um, and uh, the uh, and you can um, check uh, uh, check on in on this. And I think he's realized that the first part of it is what you need to tune into and. Uh, um, and it will be, um, uh, you know, then he's there. So he did, he did last couple of days. He's done the first 20 minutes or 30 minutes and he's left. Uh, and so, but anyway, be that as it may, he's driving the agenda. Well, yesterday he previewed the fact that there may be more possibilities for opening people going back to work and going back to normal life over time, over time. Uh, but one of the things he said was he turned to Dr. Fauci and he said, maybe we won't shake hands anymore. And here's my idea. You know, if you've ever noticed Donald Trump at his events, he, he, when people at his rallies, when when people clap for him, he doesn't do what a lot of people usually do, which is stand there sort of uh, stolidly and allow the clapping to happen. It always looks funny. It looks like you're sort of at the center. He joins the clapping. Have you noticed this? He joins in clapping and stands up there and claps with everyone. And it has the effect of making it slightly less. First of all, it's totally different. And it's slightly less self-centered uh, when he if he, than standing there and allowing people to clap. It's kind of unnatural. Well, here's my idea. This is my pitch to you. We'll see if we can start this tonight on The Answer San Diego. My pitch is we begin, instead of ever shaking hands again, because who wants to shake hands again when you could start a pandemic? So instead of shaking hands, let's not shake hands. Let's instead, we'll do the Trump clap. So the Trump clap is just too, it's like a, it's like a golf clap, but more substantial, just kind of a quick like, when you see someone, you stand there, you say, see someone, just get this little clap, just a little 
as a way to greet each other because you can't fist bump. You're still transferring a virus. You can't, uh, you know, I guess you could fake handshake or something. But how about that for a little tr- the Trump clap? See if it catches on. There you have it. All right. All right. Now, let me get to this. Um, first of all, let's say a word uh, of encouragement to the people in New York and Louisiana and Detroit all over the country. Um, so much suffering. It's real. I think people have some hope that there is uh, going to be enough equipment, enough people to work it. And we're talking ventilators and others, as well as some medicines that may be therapeutic. So I think there's some optimism uh, there, but it's a really challenging time. And I mentioned on Periscope a few minutes ago, I, I started with a prayer for some friends of mine that are uh, have some first responders, a nurse and an EMT guy who are really suffering, uh, been now gotten sick. You know, first they were, uh, serving and doing their duty and and job, and then now they're sick themselves. So it is, um, it is bad, but I hope we're going to pass through this and kind of, we are flattening the curve, but it's not like we're through it. Nobody should think we're through this. Um, so please don't, uh, get misled by that. All right. But here's what I want to talk about today. What you need to know. This is what you need to know. Tom Massey, the Congressman from Kentucky, who I know very well, He is getting a lot of grief from Republicans and Democrats for standing up and demanding that the House of Representatives take an actual recorded vote on this massive part three of the coronavirus bills that are passed. It's a $2 trillion thing with lots of bad stuff in it, really bad stuff. And look, some of it's good stuff. I think cash payments to citizens is probably necessary. I think the um, increased unemployment uh, is necessary. Money for hospitals necessary, all these kinds of things. But it became a boondoggle, as most of these things do. And I'm not even here today to argue against it. I think it's a disaster. I think the 96 senators who voted against it will never be present. I think it will become an albatross. I think the members of the House of Representatives that voted for it, which they all did it by voice vote, and they can maybe someone will say they voted against it. They're gonna. It's an albatross. As it becomes known what was in the bill and how it was abused in the next two, three, four, five years, it will be a devastating political loss for both parties. I'm not arguing against it. I'm saying, actually, we probably needed to do something, and at least we did something. And I think the Americans and the president wanted something so badly that we had to do something. But it's a disaster. And Tom Massey, all he did was stand up and say, hey, let's make sure we have a recorded vote. And they went crazy. Everyone went crazy. Republicans, Democrats, everyone. Now, first, let's be clear. We're only Friday of this week, five days later, because Nancy Pelosi scuttled the whole thing and started with a laundry list of 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 the left wing priorities. So if you want to talk about his idea of a recorded vote was going to cause a delay, the delay is on Nancy Pelosi, period. That's the first thing you got to know. The second thing you have to know is Tom Massey ran for Congress in 2012 and has been in Congress and he's universally liked by Democrats and Republicans because people know he's not a liar. He's not a fraud. He doesn't need the job. He holds like 10 or 12 patents. He went to MIT. I think his wife went to MIT. He has patents on robotics or something. He's, he's an independently wealthy now because of his business acumen and his inventions businessman. He's got a nice family. He lives either on a farm or a bunch of land where he's built a home that, if it's necessary, can go off the grid, the electric grid, with batteries that he built. With He retooled uh, some of the Tesla batteries. I mean, he's a fascinating guy. And again, everybody up here in the Capitol, in the swamp, used to love him. Even though he voted against a lot of bad spending things and he was kind of a stick in the mud sometimes because he wouldn't go along, people knew that's who he was. They just knew that about him. 
And now he's being attacked. By the way, when the Covington, uh, Covington High School kids got attacked, Tom Massey was standing up for him before anybody else. I mean, he's just a good guy. He really is a good guy. He's a good man. And he's being pillared and he's being beat up and by Republicans also because he was trying to get everybody to take a vote on the record. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't even care. Everybody knew he was going to lose. I don't even care that he lost. What I care about is that he's being beaten on. And and John Kerry, the secretary of state, former secretary of state, former senator, you know, sort of this this lion of the Democrat Party. He's tweeting, calling Massey names that rhyme with mass whole. And, and all this terrible stuff, because why? Because John Kerry is a, is a creature of the swamp. And everybody in the swamp knows better than you and me. Everybody in the swamp knows better than the American people. I, it's, it's despicable. And I tell you, I mentioned on the Periscope earlier that, you know, the, we need more choices in this country, not echoes. All these people that come over up and echo the conventional wisdom, they get caught up in the swamp and they become echoes of what's happened forever. Romney is a good example. Joe Biden is a great example. Nancy Pelosi is a great example. We need more choices, people that stand up like Massey is doing. And again, it's just despicable to watch. So I I believe in the guy. Again, I'm happy to have the bill passed. I mean, I think we needed it. I think we needed the bill to pass. We need people. The American people need to feel like Congress is getting something done. And I think in the two trillion dollars, probably half of it will be valuable. But the other half will be a boondoggle. It always is. That's not a surprise if you know politics. It's disappointing, but it's not a surprise. So there you have it. So uh, keep an eye on Tom Massey. He's going to get beat up by everybody, including the president. The president was critical of him, which is a disappointment. But all right, we'll take a quick break. We, today we got a great program. Uh, we're going to talk in a few moments uh, with, a Cong- with a candidate for, um, give me as a choice. This guy's a choice, not an echo. A, 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 per- a Purple Heart winning uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel who was uh, also Bronze Star and all. He's running for U.S. Senate in Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia. We'll have him on Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Gade. And then after that, we'll talk with our old friend Hans von Spakowski about how they're trying to mess with elections in the... coronavirus bills but they beat it back so happily none of that's really happening except a little bit of money that will not amount to much in terms of real change so uh that was good all right we'll take a quick break it's uh ed martin here in the pro america report we'll be right back ed martin and the pro america report on the answer san diego Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and I'm really excited to have this next gentleman on. Uh, Colonel uh, Daniel Gade is a retired uh, U.S. Army lieutenant colonel. Um, he, uh, you know, the, I, I, he's got a bio that's a, a mile long, and he's a hero, a war hero, and uh, and a Purple Heart recipient, and then he's gone on, he's a professor, and he just, it's extraordinary, already it's extraordinary life, and he's young. Uh, but even better for him, some people I really respect, um, Austin and Kathy Roos, who've been on this program, and uh, folks in my, in my in, up in my neck of the woods in northern virginia say this guy is a top notch guy and so uh uh dr gade he's also a phd and a professor is running for u.s senate against uh senator mark warner so he's uh, you know we have guests on this program all across the country they're running against uh key leaders there's nobody who i think has done a worse job for the people of this country or for the commonwealth of virginia than mark warner and I, it, it makes me crazy that people don't realize how uh how really a terrible leader he's been a terrible servant uh, in so many ways but first welcome to the program colonel how are you sir I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And if anyone wants to see that bio that you talked about, you can go to Gade for Virginia, G-A-D-E-F-O-R, Virginia. 
on Facebook or .com on the internet, and you can see my bio on there. But it's a joy to be on yeah. with you, and I am thrilled to be in the fight for liberty with you. Yeah, well, and I was going to say a good job. Gade for Virginia dot com. I'll put it up on social media too. So, first of all, why run? Like you got a, You had a great life. I saw a picture. You've got a nice wife and kids. You got a good dog. It looks like. I mean, uh, you know, life is yeah, good. Yeah. And you come out and you decide to get into the battle here. I mean, you've already been through a million battles in a real war. Why do this? Well, so I view this as an extension of my decades of military service. So I was in the Army as a – I enlisted as a private when I was 17 years old, and I served until I retired as a lieutenant colonel 25 years later. And I was wounded in action twice. I lost a leg in combat. I was decorated for valor. But my whole purpose during that time was to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And if you look at our leaders right now, our quote-unquote leaders in Washington – so many of them are serving themselves and not many of them are serving the constitution the way it's written. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm all about. I'm in this fight because if not me, then who, if not now, then when, and because America and the constitution are worth serving. Is uh, we're talking with uh, uh, Colonel Daniel Gade, and again, it's Gade for Virginia, both on Facebook and also GadeForVirginia dot com. In both places, uh, find out more and and uh, find ways to get connected to him. There's signups for email and ways to contribute. All right, Mark Warner. I mean, if you read the Washington Post and watch, uh, you you hear, oh look, he's kind of a doesn't seem like a you know he's he's a moderate guy. What what's wrong with Mark Warner's record? Oh gosh, so many things. So, so he, um, the Washington Post last summer ran a ran a uh, editorial in which they said that he had quote muddled through his time in the Senate with few signature accomplishments end quote and and that's exactly right. So this is a guy who calls himself a centrist. Um, sometimes he even says radical centrist, which is hilarious because the only thing he is is a, is a radical. Um, and what I would say to politicians is, look, don't listen to their words, don't watch their face. Look at their finger. Watch their voting finger. And he uniformly, listen, he uniformly votes with his party. He is rated 100% NARAL pro-choice America. He's rated 100% Planned Parenthood Action Fund. He votes for every big budget nonsense program, the power grab program that Democrats want. And even on something that Virginians care deeply about, like our civil right to own guns, he has flip-flopped from his position when he was a governor years ago to being a senator now. And he says now that that he supports these gun grab programs of the of the Democrat left. So this is a guy you can't trust. He's a slippery snake in the grass. And he was, frankly, he was the leader of the of the Trump Russia conspiracy theory nonsense. Yeah, well. exactly. So I, I, yeah, I was just gonna. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I was we, gonna we, say we, that he was. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. So, so what I would say about that is, look, for for two years during that nonsense, he told us that he had smoking gun evidence, and he was going to show us, you know, tomorrow or next week, he's going to show us the smoking gun evidence. And one of two things is true. One, Trump did collude with the Russians, and Mark Warner couldn't find it, in which case he's incompetent. Or two, Trump right. didn't collude with the Russians, which I think is the case, but, and Mark Warner lied to us about it, in which case he's a liar. And my question for him and his supporters is, which one, Senator? Are you a liar or are you incompetent? But either way, it's time to right. send him home, and we're going to do that in November. Yeah, and we're talking with uh, Colonel uh, Daniel Gade. Again, Gade uh, for uh, Virginia.com. I want to say this. It's easier for me to say it so you don't have to. 
You know, the swamp is filled with people who come into politics and, and leave as millionaires. There's nobody worse. Mark Warner is one of the top three or four. I'm not sure I'm exactly right, but top 10 for sure. Wealthiest members of the United States Congress. And he made his money the old fashioned way. He worked on Capitol Hill as a staffer, helped write the laws, the telecom laws. He admits this. And then he went out and used the knowledge of the telecom laws to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, to me, you talk about the swamp. I don't want to sound like a... um, a, a radical uh, revolutionary, but I don't mind in this case, these people that profit from the system so egregiously, like I'm sure Colonel that you have decent retirement because you served 25 years. You got shot at, you got your leg blown off. You know, we owe you that, but you're not a multimillionaire 150, 200 times over like Mark Warner. To me, it's absolutely despicable and no one says anything about it. They look and they say, Oh, well he's a Senator. And so it's like, well, but the number of times that these men and women, both parties do this, it's outrageous. And I, I just hope and I really do hope and pray that Mark Warner becomes an emblem of this corruption. His wife owns a winery. Again, I'm not against people having wealth. I, I'm, all, I'm all for people getting wealthy. That's good. It's America. But when you make your money from the, from the connections to government and then pretend you're on the side of the people, it's infuriating. It really is infuriating. So I, I guess my question for you, are you, he also, one of the things I also hate about it is he's one of these creatures of the swamp where republicans won't say much bad about him you know why because he rolls over for them too they're in the tank too the swamp loves if you play the swamp's game they'll love on you they won't ever threaten you and my my fear right now is the republicans will say and i hear it all the time in in virginia well it's too hard he's kind of well liked and we can't beat him i think it's a landslide coming in the fall and every incumbent is going to lose or could lose and i guess what i'm asking is are you are you building the support colonel are you, are you I know the people are with you can you kind of keep the momentum going yes absolutely I mean the, the momentum is on our side with the gun issue and on abortion and so many overreaches in Richmond people are sick of it and they're they're angry and they're going to rise up right. in revulsion against the Democrat power the power games but you're right Mark Mark made his money by what I call swamp ethics and I intend to pound it in his swamp ethics um, one of the things that is really interesting, I, I just proposed two days ago, I proposed my first piece of legislation, which is going to be called the SIT Act. It's the Stop Insider Trading Act. And it would require every member of Congress on the day they're sworn in, all of their assets go into blind trust that they don't have access to because we saw Republicans and Democrats recently um, uh, basically using their knowledge yep. of what's going to happen with the COVID-19 virus. To, to make a buck or to keep from losing a buck while the rest of us were losing our shirts, and I hate it. And it's an example yeah. of swamp ethics, and, and, and Mark Warner is the king of the swamp, and I'm going to go in there and drain the swamp. I'm going to grab the alligator by the tail and drag him out. Well, I, I, I wish you well, and I think uh, keep us informed on this and keep us in the loop. It's, uh, you know, uh, I, I do want to ask you, um, you are there there i thought and i you have to help me there was a lawsuit or there is a lawsuit from some of the candidates for for office uh because they're worried about the election what is the state of the elections i mean our, our senate race is a primary right in, in virginia the, in the commonwealth of virginia it is a primary uh election what's the date on it has it been moved is there some fear it's going to change what, what's the status of the upcoming election yeah, it's a primary. It's on June 9th. And there was a lawsuit where a couple of the fringe candidates uh, weren't able to get on the ballot because they didn't have the organization or the discipline to do it early. And then when they discovered that they had an excuse in the COVID virus, they filed a lawsuit. But those are fringe candidates. I'm not worried about them. I'm just going to run my race against Mark Warner. I'm going to win. 
And, you know, through volunteer use and not paying for a single signature, my campaign got 17,000 signatures by the beginning of March. And these other candidates, one of them got like 3,900 using paid consultants and and then had to spend 20,000 bucks on a lawsuit. So, again, these are fringe candidates. I'm not worried about them. I'm going to run my race against Mark Warner, and I've got the groundswell, the discipline, and the organization to make it happen. All right. Well, Colonel, keep us in the loop again for people that want to check it out. It's Gade, G-A-D, Gade for F-O-R, Virginia, Gade for Virginia. If you go to Facebook, it's there, but also GadeForVirginia.com, uh, you should check it out. And I will say um, the I like your principles page, but man, your bio, I know you know this and I know you earned it. It's not been particularly easy, all the things you went through, but what a career of service you've already had. And you're so young and uh, your Purple Hearts and your Bronze Star, all this stuff and just service. So thank you for that service and I uh, really appreciate it. And thank you for, for putting yourself out there and keep us in the loop. Keep us close. You got all my numbers. I uh, will help you in any way we can to get the word out on your important race. And people across the country are going to be looking for these races that will be they can support. You know, and our program uh, airs in California. A lot of our California supporters do lots of phone banking in other places when races aren't so strong or possible in California. So thank you, Colonel. We'll talk again soon and wish you all the best. God bless. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Okay, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And, uh, well, there's been a lot going on this week, and um, some of it was uh, scarier uh, than uh, not. I mean, some of it's real scary, people sick and dying, and we have to be careful. But sometimes there was political scare and political fear, too. Earlier in the week, there was a lot of coverage of the fact that Nancy Pelosi was uh, intending to include in the massive uh, stimulus packages uh, some... Um, some legislation that would have uh, would have gotten early voting in place in places and harvest uh, bo- of ballot harvesting, uh, all kinds of things. And our friend Hans von Spakovsky, who is the uh, uh, manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative of, over at the Heritage Foundation, as well as a senior legal fellow in the Ed Meese Center for Legal and Judicial Studies, joins us now. He had a piece over in uh, PJ Media, which I'll put up. Um, uh, although as fast as things move, Hans, it's almost it's not that it's out of date, but you were you were addressing a day ago 25 hours ago some concerns will where we are right now is maybe uh, a little different so first of all welcome hans how are you i hope you're well i'm doing just fine thanks so tell us about what was what uh, to give us a glimpse in fact, one thing I've hearkened back to, remember Pelosi introduced the very first uh, a bill in her uh, speakership this time, and it included all kinds of things like getting rid of the Electoral College, I think was in there, and all kinds of ele- so-called election reforms. Everyone went, whoa, if that's what she really wanted, imagine if they ever get the White House and the Senate. But earlier this week, to walk us through what some of the, the wish lists that Pelosi wanted and how objectionable they were, and kind of tell us where we are today. Sure. And what folks need to understand is Democrats are trying to put this in every bill they can. So we're going to keep seeing this in the future. So uh, she was trying to get put into the Corona uh, uh, virus bill. Uh, these measures that would make it easier to commit fraud and easier to manipulate election results. And to, to give an example of this very quickly, uh, it banned any states 
from requiring witness signatures, notarization, or ID requirements when people use absentee ballots. Uh, huh, really? It re- wow. Yes. It, it uh, required states to allow online requests for absentee ballots. Uh, not only that, but online voter <laughs> registration and even telephone-based voter registration. I mean, think about our, the Internet and all the fraud that occurs. And when things are done online, state election officials would have no opportunity to actually know if the person on the other end of the, the email or whatever is, is a real person or really that person. But, but uh, it just went on and on and on. And I'll give you another quick example of how um, it could be used to manipulate elections, the change she wanted. Look, every state allows absentee ballots. We, we obviously need them for when people are, are sick or disabled, can't make it to the polls. But states all have laws that say you can't start processing and counting those absentee ballots until the end of Election Day when they're processed and counted along with all the votes that people have cast in person. And the reason for that, obviously, is you don't want to start counting early, because if that information is leaked out, for example, to the public, it may deter people from voting if they see their candidates losing, or if it's leaked to candidates, the ones who are behind, they may be able to manipulate things. Her her provision said that the states had to start uh, processing and counting votes two weeks before Election Day. Wow. Isn't that something? Can you imagine? Yeah. No, I mean, and but people don't realize how, as you point out, um, I tell people all the time, I ran the election board in St. Louis City, and I tell people there's two things you have to understand. It is true that you have to have a good, um, you know, process. You have to have good process. It has to be in place, and you have to work hard at it. It's hard to do because you're only doing two or three days a year. It's hard to do. That's one real thing. The second thing is people have to believe. They have to have confidence in the system. And when you do these things like you just said, or even, you know, it's a challenge on election night when people start reporting returns on the East Coast and, and California still vote. And I feel that when people are like, man, if you start doing that, it's going to change human behavior. Human beings are human. Right. So. uh, But what happened now? I'm glad you said that. We're talking with Hans von Spakovsky, by the way, and make sure I'll put up on social media his uh, link at uh, Heritage Foundation and uh, also his uh, column, PJ Media. You made a really great point. They keep doing this. Every bill that they think they have leverage, they try to put these election, uh, their election, quote unquote, reforms in there. Um, How did they do this time? They did they get any of the go? through did it what was the what was the fight like and uh, how did it turn out well the senate the senate bill the one that just got approved uh unanimously took all of those pelosi provisions out and the one thing they they put in there was an appropriation of 400 million dollars which is going to the u.s election assistance commission which is a federal agency and they then are going to uh, give that out in block grants to the states to help them pay for election improvements actually you know whatever they need to do with it related to elections but fortunately there are no federal mandates in there saying you have to use this money for a particular person uh, a particular purpose um and so the states basically will get to use this money as they want. 
And so I'm glad we did this because I'm going to ask you to clarify this. Some of our folks know uh, the the, uh, FEC, you know, listeners will know the FEC, the ones that sort of adjudicate uh, relatively or are supposed to be the referees in a way of federal elections. But the EAC, uh, which I and correct me if I get this wrong, but the EAC was started after the debacle of 2000. And of course, in Missouri, where I was at the time, they had this, uh, you know, Kit Bond, the senator had the, you know, Ritzy Meckler, the dog was registered to vote in the city of St. Louis famously on the floor. He had a picture of Ritzy. Or it might have been, it's either Ritzy Meckler or it's Mitzi Reckler. I can't remember. But anyway, and so they started the EAC, uh, which is meant to be, I, I don't know, do, do you describe it for me, uh, Hans? It's a, 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 like a proactive help you run elections well commission. Is that what to say? I don't know. They, they don't, they don't, litig- they don't litigate or enforce anything, right? They mostly help. You no, know, that's exactly right. When when the when the when Congress established this new federal agency, they didn't want to give them regulatory power over state uh, elections. So what they said was, the only thing this agency can do, in essence, is uh, provide recommendations to the states on the best practices in the election administration area, and they gave. The agency back back then, this was uh, 2002, a couple of billion dollars to dole out to the states to help improve their election process. They're still in existence, and now they will be able to dole out another $400 million to the states. Yeah, and I guess what I remember vividly was under the Help America Vote Act, they, the bunch of money that states and can jurisdictions were given to be able to try to improve their election systems. And, you know, he who has the gold, called, gold calls the tune. And so there we were being told by the EAC and others, hey, this is the best practices. And you're thinking, well, if I want to get the best access to more money, I'm going to listen closer, right? I mean, that was the thing. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that it's not. You tell me, Hans, maybe you don't want to say it for the record, because I know you did serve on the FEC, right? So yeah. it feels to me like the... EAC is uh, a bureaucratic um, wasteland where money goes to be spent as opposed to where good elections go. Maybe I'm overdoing it. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think there's any reason for the EAC to be in existence because, as you very well know, elections in this country are run by the states and most specifically by uh, county and in some places city government. So the, the EAC really is a waste of taxpayer money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let, leave, leaving that behind now, and I just got about a minute, a little bit more than a minute left. So we're talking with Hans von Spakovsky. So we dodged a bullet on the usual priorities of Pelosi and the gang, the left, trying to mess with elections generally. But how? What, I know it's a terrible to do with the minute left. What's your feeling, Hans? Uh, you've seen a million elections. You've seen them in other countries. How do we have our elections in the next six months? There's lots of primaries. There's some. The generals coming fast. There's some municipal elections. You know what? What are you? What do you? Do you have any thoughts on where we are? Well, look, uh, I I actually think we're going to be past this pandemic by the time the general election rolls around. We may not be right. for some of the upcoming primaries, but uh, there are ways for people to vote, certainly by absentee ballot. But, for example, there, there are just uh, certain precautions to take. One of the most obvious is... If somebody wants to vote by absentee ballot, they should have to send in a request for it, a signed request. What we shouldn't do is what uh, some liberals have been pushing, including Nancy Pelosi, of saying, oh, no, 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 people shouldn't have to request it. We should just automatically mail an absentee ballot to every registered mm. voter. Well, you and I both know <laughs> oh how gosh. bad yeah. 
voter registration records are in, in, in places all over the country filled with people who are uh, dead, uh, people who have moved away, and absentee ballots suddenly arriving at people's houses uh, aren't... We, we know some of those are going to get voted anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, Hans von Spakowski, we'll be watching it closely. Thank you, as always, for your expertise on this. It's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, it's going to be important to have clear voices because there's going to, as, as uh, Rahm Emanuel teaches us, uh, the left will use a crisis any way they can. So thank you for your time, Hans. We will touch back again soon. Hans von Spakowski, uh, will put up all his contact info, his websites and things on social media. And we'll talk again soon. Stay well, Hans. All right. Thanks. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be uh, with you tonight, and hope you're having a great, going to have a great weekend headed into it. Our next guest comes to us from Tennessee. You know, that sounds dramatic because, wow, how do we get these great guests? But she's an old friend of mine. She works with me with the uh, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And uh, Cecilia Desaunier, I think I messed it up, but her last name is very... If you're French, you pronounce it differently. But she is in Tennessee, and she sent me a story. I think it was yesterday that I I heard about it and then I got a story today which I'll put up on social media Uh, Tennessee volunteers step up to make masks to support medical personnel so Cecilia walk us through the first of all welcome to the show and then walk us through exactly what how did this happen what happened tell us about it all hi Ed thanks for having me on Um, it's Cecilia DeSonia uh, <laughs> there you go. See, I told you I'd be- I told you I'd mess it up. I mean, I I'm too sophisticated. I speak too many languages. I'm kidding, of course. Go ahead. Sorry. We we we. There you go. Our organization is Moms for Tennessee here, and of course, uh, I'm also the Kalishwatha uh, Eagle leader with y'all. But um, what how this all started was I had I had seen a post on Facebook of a woman in Illinois that was making masks, and I. I thought, hmm, that sounds interesting, and I was thinking I might get involved in that. And then I saw the president talking um, on one of the task force meetings, saying that, um, you know, they they were working on making these N95 masks. And then a reporter started reading emails from doctors and nurses that said, they literally don't have a mask to wear. And I said, okay, I I need to really look at this. So I called my... Vanderbilt Hospital here in Tennessee, which is the one, the biggest hospital in the national area. And I asked the, the uh, charge nurse, would they accept cloth masks? Do they need masks? And she started to cry on the phone. And she wow. was so great. Yeah, she, she was so grateful that anybody would care to make the mask. Hmm. And she said, yes, we do need the mask. And so we got to work. Um, just my family started making them. I started making phone calls to get other people to make them. And so this morning when we delivered the mask, um, the charge nurse said that they were scooped up in, in less than a minute. Everyone was excited about them. They really liked the patriotic pattern that we picked. And they said, when are we getting more? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. 
I saw this. I saw this video, and again, I'll put it up on social media. You and your daughter sewing these masks, and I guess let, let me. So to be clear, and and the, you know, I've, I had this argument earlier in the week with someone uh, that said, "Oh, masks don't matter." Everybody agrees that masks help. They may not solve everything, right? They're not the only thing we need to do, but they clearly help. And the fact that people have nothing, as you point out, you, well, you do the best you can with what you've got. So, what is the? How are things in in uh, at the Vanderbilt Hospital? How are how are people holding up? I mean, give us a little perspective there too well i i don't know you know firsthand because you know I, i'm not going to go in there and, and take video and they really don't want anybody going in there unless they have a reason to but all i can do is go right. by what the charge nurse is saying and she says they have masks but their order they, the orders that they keep putting in to get more masks are not getting filled so they're up they're nervous about not having enough masks and huh. um yeah and so when 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 we delivered the masks that you can see from the photos I sent you, the, the, the nurses put them right on. And, of course, we had sterilizing first, but um, they obviously are um, open to using these masks. Maybe they, they may even, and I'm just saying, and not this for sure, but they may be trying to, to utilize the N95 masks for when they know that they're dealing with a COVID patient, you know, opposed to somebody else, you know. Right, but, right. I'm looking, by the way, I want to tell people, go to Moms for Tennessee, Tennessee spelled all the way out, MomsforTennessee.com, and you can click on events and you'll see also this great image of uh, We Can Do It with uh, like the uh, Rosie the Riveter kind of images and colors. So love a nurse, make a mask. Uh, how's the response been? I guess you put the word out to your folks. Are are people stepping up to join you in it? Are you going to have more of an effort? Or is it spreading? Tell me about that. Yeah, the the, uh, the response has been fantastic. Um, the the Rosie Riveter uh, image I thought of because um, I was like, you know, this this is a time America hasn't seen in a while, as in World War II, where people had to step up and kitchen and help with the like with the scrap drives and the women working in the factories, and and this is something that we can, you know, we can do this. We can supply these nurses with uh, masks. There's a lot of people with sewing machines that are on uh, quarantine with nothing to do. They're sitting there saying, what can I do? This is something you can do. Um, we've had, I've contacted churches, uh, Republican women's groups, homeschool groups. They're all starting to make masks. And then I've also had people saying nursing homes that need masks, clinics, just even small clinics. They, there's a few of them that ha- they have no masks and they can't get any masks because the masks are going to the hospitals. So, so yeah. Cecilia, what is the what is the what is if someone was doing it at home right now and they said, "Wow, I got a sewing machine." I guess they go to momsfortennessee.com and email you. But you, you're not trying to make uh, the the specialty masks. You're saying basically any any port in a storm, right? Anything you know, in an emergency, do what you can. What are the basics? So you have are you doing a special uh, kind of cloth? Does anybody you know what, what would people need to be able to do this? Well, the CDC recommends 100% cotton to uh-huh. the double layer as the requirement and the reason for that is here you go a lot of people that are goodwill they i've heard stories of making masks and delivering them and then they the hospitals can't use them because they're not using the right material for instance some of them are made out of flannel where when you start breathing in flannel it collects moisture and then that's just actually oh. counterproductive yeah you can't have that so that's why the cdc is saying 100 percent cotton double-sided and you, they can they can contact me if they want, or they can simply look at the directions, call a facility uh-huh. near them, whatever state, make it according to the directions, deliver it, 
they don't even need you know to contact me. Everything they all the information they need is there. But, if but when you say it's. It, yeah, but if you say it's cotton, it's cotton double apply. What do you do for the 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 uh, you know ear pieces and all? How did you do that? I mean, I didn't look that closely at what I saw what you were doing, but I didn't look to see. I mean, when people are home right now, can they get all those materials? Uh, you know, pretty easily. It's a great question because uh, Joanne Fabric has the one hundred percent cotton. They got lots of it if they're open in their area. Um, yeah, probably get them online. The elastic for the ears is really hard to find because. I think a lot of people have been making masks for themselves, and they they really there's a shortage on elastic. But if I did find some on eBay, but I also put another video on there from another woman who is, who shows you how to make them with ties, so you can do it with ties if you can't get the elastic. I see. Okay, great. Well, Cecilia, it's fantastic you did this again. It's uh, I go if you people go find out more. Tennessee, well, excuse me, momsfortennessee.com. Thanks for chipping in and I love that picture. I will say the Rosie the Riveter picture. It looks like I think you put yourself on there. The, the the original Rosie has short hair and you've got long hair in there. I think it's actually Cecilia the Riveter. But anyway, it's a great image and great yeah. effort and uh congrats congratulations on starting it up. We appreciate it. All right, thanks, Ed. Okay, we'll talk again soon. I will put it up again. T- Tennessee, excuse me, uh, moms4tennessee.com. All right, everybody, thank you for listening, as always, to the program. So much going on. And remember, you can get the show as a podcast at The Answer San Diego and different segments. Uh, follow the show at edmartinlive.com. You can also go over to Ed Martin Live and... Uh, edmartinlive.com and get signed up for our uh, daily emails they come every weekday and listen it's a it's an important time uh doing what you can like uh, cecilia just told us that's a big that's a nice thing i mentioned um uh earlier that some folks i got a text from sal in san diego he was actually paying to have people deliver food restaurants deliver food at hospitals he called up the local hospital or maybe been a clinic said how can i do it who can i you know have it sent to so he could do something uh do the things you can and take care of yourself and your family it's a uh, it is a difficult time. There's an awful lot happening uh, that is making uh, everybody a little uh, no more than a little nervous, uh, needing to do things that pitch in. So I hope you'll find your path to pitch in on that. And of course, keep listening to the Answer San Diego uh, and uh, all our shows to find out more information. There's a lot of uh, updating there. One last thing, I did text. Uh, earlier in the week with one of our listeners the website that i look at and it's very detailed but it's it's a lot but it's coronavirus.jhu.edu coronavirus.jhu.edu which is a website you can sort of track what's going on it's pretty darn good it's pretty uh, informative so uh have a great weekend everybody i know there's a lot going on and hopefully you're missing out you're probably missing out on some things you usually do but hopefully you're finding the things to keep you busy and keep yourself safe And we will be back on Monday. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll talk to you then.